Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Fitsum Welter-Georges. Fitsum is a scholar and a senior research consultant with affiliations as an industry fellow with the Sustainable Mineral Institute at the University of Queensland in Australia. He specializes in socioeconomic impacts, economic linkages, structural transformation, and resource governance. His work in the last 15 years involved applied and academic research, strategy designs, multi-stakeholder action dialogues, building capacity, leadership, and partnerships, among others. I had the pleasure of meeting Fitsum uh, a year or so ago as a PhD scholar, and I'm glad to know he has now submitted his uh, thesis. Fitsum, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sheila. Um, I'm happy to be participating in your podcast. Right. So in the on the subject of uh, mineral value addition, I just wanted you to explain for us. It seems self-evident, but what do we mean by uh, mineral value addition? Okay. Um, so the, the term mineral value addition is simply... Uh, referring to a process of um, increasing the economic value of extracted minerals by transforming them into higher uh, products or high value products or even intermediate uh, products rather than exporting them in raw form. So um, this so when I say um, a process, it, it, I am referring to two aspects at least. One of those aspects is refers to um, the fact that, um, the the process of transformation involves various activities across different states, uh, and these various activities um, do not do not just add value in terms of income or finance, but also value in terms of employment, in terms of the skills and technology that could be generated as a result of those activities. The second aspect is that value addition relates to uh, both enhancing the market value uh, as well as the utility of minerals. Utility in the sense that minerals that are processed or uh, turned into final products can be utilized in country as well as uh, in other countries uh, after export. Yeah, so uh, that's interesting because you've used two terms. One is value enhancement the other is utility. Can you just again uh, define for what's what's the the the, the difference? Why uh, is it necessary to make those distinctions? Okay, that's that's a good question. Um, so they are interrelated, but also they're a little bit different. So interrelated in the sense that both are pointing to the achievement of economic value at the end of the day. But they are also different in the sense that when we talk about market value, we are talking about the um, benefits in terms of income that could be generated in terms of revenue that could be generated as a result of selling um, the different forms of minerals or mineral products uh, overseas or in other markets uh, regionally or nationally even. Uh, when we talk about utility, we are talking about using those minerals uh, in industrial um, processes. 
so for example, using um, steel um, as a product, as a mineral product in industrial uh, or manufacturing uh, processes. So that is the difference that I am implying between those two. That's lovely. So here is something else. One hears uh, people speaking of value addition and then speaking of beneficiation. Is there a difference between these two concepts? And if though, so what is that difference? Okay. Um, so there are two concepts that are sometimes used interchangeably, but I think, yes, they are related, but also they are different. So uh, when we talk about mineral beneficiation, we are simply referring to the uh, process of preparing raw mined minerals or ores in order to really improve their quality and extractability. Um, so uh, it involves um, the process of purifying uh, mineral ores, for example. Um, it, so there are also activities that include crushing, grinding, washing, um, separation, you know. So the idea or the objective of beneficiation is really to increase the mineral content uh, and concentration in order to prepare those, uh, you know, uh, beneficiated minerals or mineral products uh, for further refinery or for further processing. Um, and and so, for example, for example, in terms of I mentioned earlier steel. Um, so steel comes from iron ore, but iron ore has to be beneficiated in the sense that there has to be purification, for example, um, separating uh, silica, um, you know, through magnetic separation and, and uh, coming up with a steel uh, product that could be used, used in the steel or, or iron product uh, or hydrate iron product that could be used in the steel production. Um, then if we talk about mineral value addition, on the other hand, it is it involves uh, beneficiation or it encompasses beneficiation, but also it goes further than beneficiation in the sense that uh, it involves downstream processing uh, to arrive at intermediate products or even further final products. Um, so the objective of uh, value addition is really to maximize the economic benefits, the quality uh, of uh, minerals and, and their marketability, their, their market um, value of minerals. Um, so as an example, in terms of value addition, uh, we can talk about still uh, sticking with uh, iron ore, or, or let's talk about bauxite, for example. So bauxite, when it's turned into aluminum, uh, we talk about value addition happening. Uh, in terms of uh, batteries, for example, so if you turn lithium or graphite into batteries, then we can say that value addition process has occurred. So in summary, beneficiation really focuses on improving the quality and concentration of minerals within the, their ore forms, uh, whereas value addition encompasses uh, beneficiation, but also it extends to downstream processing in order to generate higher value products or intermediates. Absolutely. No, I, I understand. So, so really the, 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 the beneficiation thing has to do with, it starts right at the extraction phase. 
and goes right through to the processing and refining until you have a metal or a, a, a gemstone or some other uh, substance which has now been transformed from being a chemical for uh, for instance to being a, a piece of metal and 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 there you have benefited but to add value you don't stop there you progress to use those pieces and those products to create other products and you keep going until you meet specific needs in either the consumer market or the industrial market such that value addition is more encompassing where beneficiaries is very specific to the creation of a particular product using a mineral substance. Would that be correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, okay. beneficiation is all about improving the physical and chemical properties of a, of a mineral. Uh, and then, of course, at all these steps, at all these stages, starting from the extraction uh, stage, all the way to the final products, there are there is value addition that is happening. But as you go up the chain, uh, you are increasing the economic value uh, of of the mineral um, and and the marketability of that mineral. So once again, we we why then is value addition in um, minerals an important policy? consideration for developing countries. Why is it not enough to simply uh, allow commodity markets to dictate uh, where these various processes take place? Okay, I think this is a very important uh, point. And, and this is something that I am um, passionate about and I have been focusing my research around. Um, so it is an important element, value addition is an important element within the broader perspective of, um, let's say, economic diversification, uh, all the way to having the potential to increase or to have a positive economic transformation. I'll explain that. So, um, so by, by having or by increasing your uh, capacity to value add uh, on minerals, you are able to uh, um, diversify your economies because you are able to generate or to create new businesses uh, in other economic sectors, even new industries in other economic sectors. And through that, you are able to minimize your vulnerability to global uh, commodity price fluctuations, for example. So that is one of the key areas that I, uh, I have been really focusing my research on. Uh, and because of that, I feel that we need to think nationally at the national policy or strategy level uh, when we talk about value addition. So we have to see it within that broader perspective of economic diversification and positive economic transformation. Um, of course, within this, then, we can talk about um, the advantage or, or the opportunities of creating revenue uh, or generating revenue as you go up the value chain. So it's very important that you have the right policies uh, around uh, you know, local value addition uh, in order to be able or to maximize revenue um, collection. Um, within revenue collection as well, we can talk about revenue retention. If you remember, I, I was talking about utility of minerals earlier. So revenue retention 
applies when a country has the capacity to do the processing itself rather than relying on multinationals to do the value addition for them. Uh, and so by doing so, they are able to retain the, the revenue that could have been uh, gone. Um, then, of course, we can talk about the uh, opportunities to create jobs, uh, the opportunity to transfer technology and innovation to local uh, capacity or capabilities, the, the, the ability to, to develop infrastructure, uh, because this is a, a very high intensive uh, um, investment value addition. It requires um, uh, infrastructure. It requires, um, um, you know, innovation and technology. And by doing so, you are able to uh, also um, have a spillover effect on other economic sectors. And so that is why it's a, a very important policy uh, aspect uh, for countries to consider. Then, of course, finally, uh, I would like to make a point in terms of the trade uh, balance effect. Um, so um, by you know expanding or by creating a high-value product through value addition, countries are able to improve their uh, trade balance um, in a way that um, as they create or as they are able to produce finished products, then they are able to minimize um, their need uh, to import finished products, which then results into a reduction in their trade deficits. And so that that is a very important national kind of opportunity. Uh, and, and because of that, then, value addition needs to be considered as a policy uh, aspect. Of course, it has to be done right, uh, properly in a way that it, it, um, it, does, it, it doesn't uh, contradict uh, investment, um, it doesn't contradict uh, the market, uh, but works uh, along with the market and investment opportunities in order to maximize uh, higher value and, and benefits. Hmm. I want to follow up on this. You you mm -hmm. just the term uh, or the phrase trade balance. First, what is trade balance and why should it be a matter of concern in terms of uh, the health of any one country's economy? Well, in simple terms, uh, trade balance is when a country has uh, or is importing more than it exports. Um, not only more than it exports, more than it, the, the kind of commodities or products that it, it exports. So most of developing countries, for example, we see them exporting, especially resource-rich uh, countries, exporting minerals in their raw forms. And that way they are not adding much value to their economy. Uh, and, and then also they will have still to import uh, finished products. So in some cases, countries are ending up um, buying finished products that were made out of the um, raw materials that uh, originally came from those countries. And so um, so it's, it, is, uh, it is affecting the trade balance in that way because you are buying with, exp with high prices those finished products um, whereas you are exporting raw materials uh, that do not even provide you high value as opposed to exporting um, um, you know, 
mineral products that have gone through value addition processes. And so that is a very important issue. Uh, and then, of course, being able to uh, export high value products and, and minimize the import of high value products allows a country to uh, have, um, you know, a healthy exchange uh, or a healthy currency value as well. And that is very important because in order to purchase uh, finished products from elsewhere, you will have to use uh, foreign exchange um, or foreign currency or a dollar, uh, which would be difficult for some countries to, to accumulate over the years. So, so that is quite important in national uh, um, you know, interest for countries to, to consider as, as a matter of policy. Mm. So we've spoken about the importance of value addition in the context of national development, and then we've spoken about it also in terms of uh, reduction of uh, trade deficit, et cetera. I, I can't help wondering, is validation then as much a national economic development issue as a geopolitical issue? How does one draw the line? Okay. Uh, if I take the, the latter in terms of geopolitical issue, um, it is a great deal of geopolitical issue, especially now with uh, critical minerals. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the concept known as uh, friend shoring or ally shoring, which was introduced in the U.S. Uh, government, and it relates to the um, you know minerals uh, security partnership that was created by mostly Western countries, uh, and this is mainly in relation to China's dominance um, in both uh, processing and also manufacturing of. Uh, critical minerals, uh, and, and and so the idea is really to try and concentrate or attract like-minded countries or countries that have similar values um, to collaborate or to partner in terms of the supply chain or, or the sourcing of um, you know minerals. And and then the 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 value addition and the processing of those minerals. So an example is uh, a partnership that was created between Australia and the United States, I think two or three years ago, uh, in this respect, which allowed um, Australian um, um, you know critical minerals uh, producers to be preferred over other similar produce pro uh, commodity producers. Uh, to supply to the United States, um, uh, you know, processing and manufacturing of those minerals. Um, so it is indeed a geopolitical issue in a sense that countries might use it to leverage um, some political or diplomatic gains or restrict um, um, diplomatic pressures from other countries. Um, so this happens a lot, um, especially as we can see it uh, in recent times and currently as well, especially the the um, the issue between China and, and, and the United States in terms of dominating uh, mineral products and the sourcing of minerals. I've also heard about the lithium alliance. I don't know whether it's right, correct or not, but 
some countries are pondering around creating a lithium alliance, which includes, of course, Zimbabwe in this case. Um, so really, the idea is to control the market, um, to uh, minimize the disruption of uh, supply chain. Um, and so, yeah, it is a geopolitical issue. Your other aspect, or the, the other aspect of your question, uh, in terms of whether or, or can the value addition be a national economic development tool? Absolutely. Uh, and this is what I mentioned earlier. Um, if we, and, and this is what I believe uh, countries should do, is that um, mineral value addition should be treated within a broader and longer term economic policy or strategy that could be had uh, in relation to minerals or extractive sector. Uh, and within that, or what this allows you to do is to really consider the opportunity to diversify uh, or to, to the opportunity to create diversified economy, leveraging or utilizing the mining sector. Uh, I talk a lot about utilization. So utilization can be within this broader framework, can be in terms of, okay, there is job market or employment created as a result of value addition, but do you see it as just a supply chain opportunity um, or do you see it as a utilization opportunity in the sense that are we considering employment in the value addition process as a matter of a broader economic diversification or we're just simply um, serving the, the demands of the extractive sector. Um, so that is a very important aspect to consider. The same with revenue generation. We need to, to talk about revenue utilization. Utilization in the sense that whatever revenue is generated from the extractive sector, also the in this case, the value addition process, uh, um, utilization in other economic sectors technology utilization, infrastructure utilization, all these areas, we need to look at them in a more broader perspective. So yes, value addition can be uh, a very good or one, I, I stress one because there are other aspects as well, but value addition is one of, um, um, and if not important, national economic development too. Yeah. So you so really uh, to your point, value addition in minerals can be it, uh, several things, not just the economic development, but it turns out that uh, it can also be a tool for balancing geopolitical economic power and also uh, a, a tool for uh, managing trade and trade balances between partners. So it suggests then that countries must really think it's not just that we are adding value to minerals. It's, it's also an important question as to what gain are we doing this? When we have succeeded, what will have changed uh, in our countries? What will have changed uh, in relation to others with whom we do business? What will have changed in terms of our if you wish, voice uh, and presence in the international stage. And, and so it, it cannot just be a, an inherent feeling of wanting to keep the minerals longer in one country. It has to be with a clear purpose. Is that right? 
It is right, definitely. Um, um, and just to reiterate, um, I'm talking about the broader economy. When I say broader economy, I'm, I'm thinking of the mining or extractive sector, and in which case we are talking about value addition from the mining sector, should be treated as one area of the broader economy. So we so we need to look at other economic sectors, depending, of course, on the capabilities, the the endowments that 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 a country has, um, and the leveraging um, opportunity that it could have in relation vis-a-vis -vis regional um, countries in the region as well as globally. Um, so in that sense, you are trying to minimize the dependency on extractive sector. Rather, you are utilizing mining sector to, you know, to bolster your other economic sectors that could be sustained for uh, a long, uh, or that, that could be sustained long term. Sure. So when we think about uh, mineral exports, uh, you know, a lot of commentators, especially in Africa, often associate the lack of success in value addition uh, on the continent with historic uh, colonial uh, policies. Is this correct? Or are there more important underlying factors than colonialism that explain why Africa has not succeeded in uh, value adding its minerals and making it a more robust contributor to that broader economy about which you you speak okay uh, so yes I think um it, you, one would say you know um the colonial or colonization has had an impact in the sense that uh, colonial powers have established uh, an extractive sector or industry, that mainly focuses on exporting minerals and processing them elsewhere. And so that is the leg legacy that they might have left and, and these countries might have to deal with the same kind of process, you know, digging minerals and, and exporting them in their all forms because they th there wasn't any legacy of processing in country. Um, but I think, um, it has to go deeper than that. There are, um, you know, you cannot solely attribute uh, the issue to colonial legacy. Uh, there are more complex uh, factors. Uh, for example, I will mention some of the challenges um, so just to, to, to clarify. Um, I think some of them I mentioned earlier, um, because the value addition process is a capital intensive uh, investment, it requires, for example, infrastructure. Um, so this is some, one of the challenges that countries in Africa uh, often face. Um, and unless there's an infrastructure uh, suitable especially processing fast to be the, the capacity to develop uh, uh, suitable uh, um, you know processing facilities uh, it becomes a problem for for these countries so that is one area um, the other area is of of course in terms of technical um, so maybe I think to 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 make this clearer uh, I could um, uh, divide um, 
Uh, I could look at this in three areas, maybe. One area relates to the capability uh, in which infrastructure, technical expertise, um, you know, the availability of uh, technology and innovations in country fall within. Uh, also in that uh, category, I would include um, the lack of financing or the ability to uh, to have the necessary um, financial capacity to invest because value addition requires substantial upfront investment um, and um, it could affect the budget of the of, of this gov of most of these countries and so that is one of the challenges that that uh, affects value addition in these countries um, then because of this um, you know, capability-related uh, deficiencies or lacks, um, then countries might be forced to rely on multinationals to do the processing for themselves. In that sense, then they are relinquishing their power or there will be unequal power dynamics, which then means limited economic benefits. Um, of course, within that uh, capability-related issue falls the environmental concerns, um, especially with the climate change uh, aspects uh, that we are facing at the moment, countries might struggle to deal uh, with the environmental aspect of the value addition process. The second category relates to the supply and market related issues. Um, so when I say supply, uh, let's say a country is able to uh, develop uh, the uh, value addition capacity in different corners of that country. But um, unless it has the mechanism, a complex mechanism to account uh, for all the, uh, or for the complex supply uh, chain within that country, it would be difficult to have a, a ready feedstock of um, supply uh, to be able to uh, add value. Um, so, and then, of course, if we say that, okay, that country might have that capacity, but then um, simply having the products to sell doesn't mean that you have the ability to market those products in regional or international market. So as much as it sounds easy, but access to market could be difficult for these countries, especially for countries that are new to these industries. Um, there is also, of course, the inability to deal with market volatility. Uh, for some of these commodities, there is huge fluctuations in the market. Uh, are they able to deal with market competition? There's huge, especially led by China now. Uh, can countries deal with that competition? Uh, of course, there is also a trade barrier uh, by some countries. Um, you know, for example, at the moment, Russia. Um, would restrict uh, its gas uh, um, exports to certain countries. And that is a barrier, um, you know, an export restriction. Um, so that is related to the supply and market area. The third uh, category I would like to mention is the policy and governance issue. So in terms of policy and regulation, for example, um, as countries expand their capability into and entering into or venturing into the value addition uh, aspect of the mineral sector, um, they would need to also expand their capacity to regulate and design policies that cater 
that expanded uh, portfolio, if you like. And what that means is that they will need to to be able to deal with more stakeholders, multiple stakeholders with different interests, uh, sometimes contentious interests. So that could be a challenge for some of these countries. Of course, there is also policy consistency issue. Consistency not only between different uh, um, authorities, but also across different political um, terms. Are they able to keep that consistency throughout long term? Uh, and, and then, of course, there is a corruption and uh, poor governance issue that could undermine value addition initiatives. Mm. So there are different challenges. Um, of, so we cannot just solely attribute uh, the issues that can, African countries are facing to um, uh, colonization, legacy of colonization. Fantastic. That was a very comprehensive question because what it shows is the complexity of what we are dealing with. Uh, and we often oversimplify uh, the issue by attributing the problem to just one issue, uh, which is historic, and forgetting the current ones like market volatility, governance, and the ability to juggle uh, the regulatory and governance space and still ensure that there is coherence in policy terms and that there is a, 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 a single national uh, direction of travel that makes all these uh, component parts of national development policy hang together. We have just one minute and I, I, I can't help but ask you a question being that you live in Australia. Australia is a major export of iron ore. Uh, but that is not without several administrations in the past attempting to uh, process and value add iron ore in Australia, uh, Australian companies still find it more beneficial, not just to themselves, but to the Australian economy to export. Tell us very briefly uh, why that is so and what the lessons are that emerging markets countries might draw from Australia's experience. Okay, thank you. So I, I, would, I wouldn't say that Australia Australian, uh, so uh, the different administrations have attempted to value add from iron ore and, and steel making in Australia, and, and that didn't succeed. I think I would frame it differently in the sense that um, Australia might have, um, you know, focused on short-term gains from exporting raw mineral materials. And there could be a reason for that. One of the common reasons that are mentioned is is that the cost associated with uh, processing, the lack of competition, co competitively producing uh, or value adding uh, the steel uh, making industry um, in, com in comparison with what China can do with cheap labor um, and cheap access to energy. So that is one reason. Uh, the other the reason that is mentioned for Australia, just to focus to explain, in, on export is the lack of um, enough investment in res research and development, R&D. Um, of course, Australia has invested um, enough, but not enough indeed uh, compared to its peers. Um, and so the lesson for Africa is really, um, can, uh, you know, the resource which African countries think maybe individually as countries, but also I would, I would rather 
have group of countries at regional level think of their capabilities and think of formulating a long-term strategy to to be able to add value uh, from minerals uh, to develop the research and development area to invest in it but also i think one opportunity for african countries is really to leverage what the private sector can contribute uh, to the table um, because the private sector especially mining companies have the technological capability uh, to do so uh, it might be easier for these countries to have a public-private partnership and by doing so they are able to also uh, leverage the skills and the technology transfer that could be generated from from these partnerships and then through that they could develop their own um, value addition uh, capacity so these are some of the lessons uh, that we can learn from australia thinking long term instead of short term thinking uh, maybe in groups originally uh, looking at what each country can, can can contribute competitively and also looking at what the private sector can uh, support or how partnerships can be uh, established with the private sector, especially the mining industry uh, in the value addition uh, process. Well, that's fantastic, Fitsu. Uh, I enjoyed speaking with you, and I'm sure that the followers of the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast will find this conversation interesting. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Sheila, and I enjoyed uh, the podcast, and uh, you're doing a fantastic job. I follow your podcasts uh, and, and keep it up. 